today I want to invite you to go out on a limb as we consider the story of Zacchaeus. You know, we continue our series in weaving our tapestry to look at the stories of Scripture, those individuals that cross paths with Jesus. And I wonder as we look at these stories, how much we try to internalize them. What do we do with them? How do they change who we are and how do we understand those that, that met Jesus face to face? The story of Zacchaeus. You know, I think as we look at these stories, we get a glimpse of God as he relates to humanity, to you and I, to those that were there experiencing his presence very physically. I hope these messages will encourage us to see ourselves in some of them, even today as we go out on a limb together. See, I truly believe that when you're confronted with the presence and the truth of God, that all of us are called to respond. It's the way it was with Zacchaeus that day. If he was there and confronted by Jesus out on that limb by himself, and Jesus looked up and saw him and said, I'm going to come to your house today. He had a choice of acknowledging and agreeing or saying, not me. You see, it's so easy for us to hear these stories and say we've heard them and we've heard them and we've heard them. And yeah, that story today is for somebody else. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Or we could hear the naysayers at the back and say, well, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with any of us. But it seems that whenever we're confronted with the truths of the Scripture, that it has something to do with all of us. You see, we have an opportunity to respond to God. We have an opportunity to be changed. I know we don't like that word, but we have an opportunity to be changed. We can grow closer to God. We can grow closer to each other as a family of faith together. And certainly today, we have a chance to crawl out on a limb with Zacchaeus and wonder. You know, as I look at, at our overarching theme in this series of, way, of weaving a tapestry and then the story of Zacchaeus today, to me, there's so much intersection between the two. Part of it is maybe, and some of you know part of my past, and some of you may not, but part of that time before I received a call to go into ministry full-time, I worked in the cotton industry, and part of my job there was, it was a part of the program to, to promote research and production of cotton, as well as the utilization of cotton. It was to, to promote the use of cotton, because back in the in the 60s when petroleum, and some of you can remember this, when petroleum and its byproducts were very cheap, uh, they began to look at opportunities to be able to use some of that stuff. And so they started making this wonderful stuff called synthetic polyester. And because it became so cheap and because it was so easy to run through the mills, we all began to choose to wear plastic instead of cotton. Any of you been there? Some of you still there. <laughs> but anyway, part of, that, part of that job was to take cotton producers, cotton farmers to most of us, but cotton producers to the mills 
primarily on the East Coast to see what challenges the mills were facing with running this stuff called cotton. But when we'd get there with the farmers, they would take us into the receiving room to the docks out there. And the first place they'd take us is the dock that they received the polyester in. And I want you to know you'd go into that receiving dock in every bale of polyester. They'd bale that stuff too, just like they bale cotton. But every bale of polyester was pure white. Every bale was uniform in size. Every bale was uniform in weight. They were all covered and protected. And not only that, they began to tell us that not only did they look the same on the outside, every fiber was made to be the same. They were the same length. They were the same diameter. They were the same strength. They didn't cause any problems at all to run them through the fabric mill to make yarn that would eventually come down to a thread that could make the fabrics that they would produce. Then they took us into the cotton receiving room. Any of you have ever been to a cotton gin? Some of you, surely. Some of you may have even picked a little bit. That's okay. Me too. Um, it was a disaster. There were broken bales. There were bales that some of the bands had come across, and they would become pot-bellied bales like some of the growers that sent them there. They were full of sticks and leaves and all sorts of junk that was there. They were covered in oil and grease. All of that stuff had to be cleaned before they could run it through the mill. Guess what? More cost. More issues with the machinery inside when one of those leaves or one of those sticks would get past even the cleaning process there. That would cause a breakdown, and you know breakdowns cost money. Our fabrics go, cost goes up. And the mill owners decide, you know, it's really not worth the effort. <laughs> but some of that research and some of that promotion began to clean up and, and the demand came back for cotton. And fortunately, all of us don't have to wear plastic every day. We get to choose it every now and then. You know, as I look at the church and I look at this passage of Scripture on, on Zacchaeus, there's a whole lot of similarities between the two at least our perception of ourselves and our perception of others. You see, sometimes we come into the church and we feel like that, that every one of us ought to look just alike. And every one of us are going to act just alike. And we're going to be going along and we're going to be in rhythm with each other without any issues in the church. Any of you found a church like that lately? If you do, don't join it because you're going to mess it up, okay? But in the church, we also look at those on the outside just as those that, that began to criticize Zacchaeus saw Zacchaeus as a really a, one of those ugly bales of cotton, one of those ugly things outside the church, outside the community of religious groups, that there was a whole lot of issues that surely Jesus wouldn't come close to him. So you see, weaving a tapestry has much to do with the stories that we look at and the realities of how we perceive each other, how we perceive our relationship with God and in Jesus, and how we do church. So 
That's why we consider weaving a tapestry. Much of the passages of Scripture, many of these stories that we're going to be looking at over these weeks, how much do we really know? How much, where did we get our information and where did we get our training about some of these passages? So I began to think about uh, for the last couple of months as Wade asked me to preach on this, this passage of Scripture. What was your first introduction to Zacchaeus? If you've been in the church very long, especially as a child, where did you learn Zacchaeus? You can answer the song. Zacchaeus was this wee little man. And he had a desire to go see Jesus and he went and he fought and he fought and he couldn't get in to see Jesus because those people that had already seen themselves as pure and white were blocking the way and all they could see with him was a problem. And they kept knocking him out of the way so he decided it was time to go and try to find a way to be able to see Jesus. And he found this tree and he thought, well, this is my opportunity. So he climbed up in this tree, and Jesus indeed did come by to see Zacchaeus. But you know, as I've gone back and looked at those lyrics, and I've gone back and thought about the story, it's interesting, where does that story, where does that song stop? Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today, not only once, but twice. Is that the end of the story? Certainly not. But for many that have heard that song all of their life, they have to, we have to wonder, is that all they ever got out of it? It was the fact that Jesus invited himself to come to see Zacchaeus. Let's look a little deeper into that passage of Scripture and see what else we may be able to find few things that we need to understand to move forward in the story. It's interesting that the story of Zacchaeus is only found in the Gospel of Luke. But Luke records it in as part of a series of events that happens on Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem. As you follow Luke's passage, if you look back in, in uh, chapter um, 17, you'll see that that it begins to talk about the, the things that go on in that. We see that uh, it, all the way back there, it, it, it talks about um, the, rich young, the rich young ruler. It talks about while he was on his way to Jerusalem, and that would be his last journey to Jerusalem before the triumphal entry and the trial, and the, or the last supper and the trial and the rest and the... And all those things that went on to the crucifixion. Lepers were cleansed. Pharisee and publican praying. We got the teachings of that. The encounter with Jesus and, and the rich young ruler, the blind man, Bartimaeus, and then to Zacchaeus. What do we know about Zacchaeus? Scripture says he was a very rich man and that he was a tax collector. Interesting thing about chief tax collectors, which Zacchaeus was at that day, was they had an opportunity to, to gain great wealth. See, the Romans needed tax monies to be able to run their countries. And rather than appointing 
Roman citizens to go and be tax collectors in all of these provinces where they were primarily other societies there. They would enlist natives to become, because they knew the people, they knew who to go and to collect monies from, and pretty well gave them a free reign, said, Zacchaeus, this is how much the Roman government needs. You go and collect that, and we're going to turn our head and not even care about what else you do. So it became a series of extortion opportunities and opportunities to to take more than the the taxes really were and to fill their pockets. And as a chief tax collector, not only was it Zacchaeus, it it was a team of tax collectors that worked under him. They would bring monies to Zacchaeus and and he'd take a little bit off of those and he'd send the required amount on to to Rome and then he'd just continue to grow his wealth. Needless to say, his friends were few. His neighbors didn't like him. They saw him as a traitor. They saw him as a sinner. They saw him of anything but of great value to them or great value to the kingdom of God. You know, if we bring it forward to today, maybe we could see a Zacchaeus as somebody like a Bernie Madoff that took advantage of lots of people, filled his own pockets to leave those behind suffering and struggling. It's kind of, kind of the picture of what Zacchaeus was and how he would have been received there. But what's important about this? You see, Zacchaeus was a descendant of Abraham. He was a Jew, just like the leaders of, of the church, those, those Pharisees and Sadducees that would have been going along with Jesus, those that were out for the curiosity, those that had followed Jesus from as he began this journey and as he saw and they heard the teachings of, of those praying and as, and as they heard the teachings and, and saw that encounter there probably with the uh, with the rich young ruler, and as they saw Bartimaeus' sight restored, and the in, in excitement began to build, not because of who, what Jesus' main goal was, but because of what they perceived his goal to be, and that was to create an earthly kingdom that would free them from this people like Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus begins to hear those stories and begins to hear that excitement build. And Zacchaeus hears that Jesus' journey to Jerusalem is going to come his way. Now we don't know why Zacchaeus decided it was time for him to go see Jesus. Just like we don't know why it's somebody down the street that we wonder about who they are decide it's time to begin asking questions about this God that we worship and begin asking questions about this one called Jesus. But he decided it was important for him to go and to see Jesus. So he went and the crowds there wouldn't let him in. And, and of course we know Jesus would have been there as Jesus and his 12 disciples and all of those that were following and all of those that were raising commotion and raising raising questions and and there to catch him in some kind of a, a deed that they didn't want him to be a part of. Zacchaeus tried to get through all of that. Some of you aren't as short as I am, and I'm taller than I used to be, and I've always been caught in places that I couldn't see. 
But I wonder, have you ever been to a place that you were really excited to see what you went to see and just didn't make it? There's always somebody bigger or taller or wider or somebody there that would prevent you from being able to participate in what was going on that day. Maybe the doors got locked before you got there and you couldn't even get in. So what do you do? Zacchaeus began to run along and try to get ahead of the crowd and even in trying to get ahead of the crowd, those that were continuing to come continued to build a, a bigger wall around Jesus and it just wasn't working. So he came to this tree and decided it was time to get up above those that were in his way for just a chance. Now, When's the last time any of you took a chance to see Jesus? Maybe a bigger question is, when is the last time you took a chance to let somebody else see Jesus? As it happens, and as we see in the passage of Scripture, Jesus did come that way. He looked up in the tree and something interesting happened when he looked up in the tree. He didn't look up there and say, man, come down. What are you doing up there? He looked up at the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Very personal invitation, Zacchaeus, come down. For I'm coming to your house today. Not I want to. Zacchaeus, would it be okay? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Now, along with Jesus coming to his house today, who would come along with him? Twelve more that were pretty close, right? And coming to your house in those days wasn't just coming to your house. It was coming for a meal and a time to be together and time to wash feet and all of those things. So Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for a dinner for 14. Twelve disciples and Jesus and Zacchaeus at least. How many of you would take a dinner for 14 at 30 minutes? It's where Zacchaeus and Jesus found themselves. We don't know all that happened that day, but what we do know is that Jesus and Zacchaeus met face to face. And Zacchaeus had an opportunity to respond. And his response, according to the scripture, says that he turned to Jesus and he said, I'm going to give half of everything I have to who? To the poor. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give them four times of what any extra I ever took from them. Now some of us would wonder, some of the world out there would wonder, well, do I have to pay my way into salvation? And that's not what all this is about. Because that would remind me of the, when I was in our mission church and we were passing the offering one day and the bouncer of the bar that we had converted into a church had finally come to worship with us on that Sunday morning. And my daughters were there passing the offering plates and they got the, got the plate up to him that day and he looked at it and held it for a minute and he sat it down in the seat next to him and got up and left. 
took me about a month to find him after that. And I said, what happened that day? And he said, well, y'all were passing that plate around and all I could see were everybody there was paying their way to be in worship that day. My pockets were empty. You see, he came back right at the end of the service and he came up to where the offering plates were and he put a few coins in there. He said, I had to go home and rob Mama's piggy bank to find a few coins to come and pay my way. That's not what Zacchaeus was doing. Zacchaeus, out of extreme gratitude for this this thing called salvation, understood that what he had would become a testimony of what he could do and what God could do. It speaks a lot about our stuff when we become Christians and what we do with it. You know, some of us give it away freely, and I'm grateful for the great generosity of this church. We give it freely, and we don't ask many questions. It's, it's given for the purpose of ministry, and we justify and we do those things that, that are appropriate in doing that. But the sad part about it is, and, and part of that criticism that Zacchaeus could have come up with in, in giving those monies back is the, is the fact that too many times today, rather than freely giving those things that we have to be able to touch lives for the sake of Christ, we began to hold the church hostage for the stuff we have. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Church, if you don't do exactly what I want you to do, I'm going to hold my off tithes and offerings for a period. Or I'm going to find a new place to go and put those tithes and offerings that may be doing a little bit better. But this is still my church family, and we're going to love everybody. Zacchaeus touch it, teaches us a lot about our stuff in his response with a confrontation with Jesus. Not only about a time of salvation, but a time of what do we do with our stuff? How are we touched? But the scripture says those that in the crowd questioned why in the world Jesus was going to have lunch with the sinner. You know, sometimes the church even asks, Why are you doing ministry for those people? How are they going to benefit us? If you get too many of those people in, then our church isn't going to be that great white bale that we perceive ourselves to be. Get too much of that muddy cotton in it and that great white bale goes away. How long has it been? <laughs> maybe, maybe this is going to be a real tough question. Can you remember the last time you climbed a tree? How many of you have climbed a tree, first of all? Can you even remember the last time you did? 
You know, there's always those interesting obstacles when you climb a tree. Those limbs that are broken off that are getting in your way or hang onto your pants and you can't get loose. You get too high in the tree and you wonder, how in the world am I ever going to get down? So all sorts of reasons for getting in the tree. One's to hide. One's to have an outlook on where you are. For me, it was an opportunity to, to do a whole lot of things, but one of those things was to climb up in the tree and see how I could get, how high I could get in and sometimes how far away and to be able to leap from that limb to get into the river. But on this day, Zacchaeus got in the, in the tree for a purpose of an encounter with Christ. Some of you may be up a tree today. Some of you may be out on a limb that you don't know how to get off of. Some of you may be even in part of that crowd and wondering why in the world are we going through this? <laughs> The reason we're going through this is to, for you and me, every one of us, to have an encounter with Christ. I don't know what he wants to do with that encounter today. Some of it may be to change our attitude about ourselves, about our church, about our stuff, those who we minister to. Some of those attitudes may be today about a relationship with Jesus. If you've had it before and you've taken it back and it doesn't mean much to you anymore, today may be the day that you need to get off your limb and come back to Christ. For some of you here today, an encounter with Christ may be the first encounter just like Zacchaeus was. And Jesus is waiting to say, truly salvation has occurred on this day. I really don't know what God has for you, but I can tell you what I do know is that God is in this place. God has spoken through his scripture. And we have a decision to make. <laughs> what are we going to do with it? Individually, what are we going to do with it? Let's pray.